0: Welcome to First Up, it's Ramere, that's Friday the 25th of November. Ko Nathan Ho coming up. Black Friday is upon us. We find out if the cost of living crunch may keep people away from the shops in many countries. Retail New Zealand boss Greg Harford joins us to talk about paywave fees, if we really need to pay them. And Sandringham residents demand answers after a dairy worker was stabbed and killed on the job amid revelations its owners had twice asked for a fog cannon.
1: They're just doing their day's work and someone else came into their environment, safe environment, made it unsafe, stole from them and killed, taken alive. That's barbaric.
0: everybody welcome to your Friday which features Tāwhirimātea quite heavily that's the big windy storms he's uh, to go out of these storms that blows this way in New Zealand uh, but we are going to start the program today in the USA Bevan Hurley is awaiting us and he's probably uh, all set to go with uh, a football stadium in his house because there's three games of NFL football that are on TV and the the stadiums tell us bevan is it built out of nachos and hot dogs and things have you got that done those stadiums are amazing that people make
2: oh nathan i i'm sorry to report that i've completely failed on on that regard i'm I'm sitting at my laptop uh beavering away at work so uh, hopefully a bit (laughs) later
0: on (laughs) okay so we'll get to that hey bevan um yeah thanksgiving obviously a big time for america lots of traveling around and what have you but unfortunately america's love of turkey again being overshadowed by america's even greater love of guns
2: Yeah, it's been a dark week uh, here, Nathan. Um, On Saturday night, a a 22-year-old man dressed in tactical gear and armed with an AR-style rifle and a handgun stormed the LGBTQ venue Club Q in Colorado Springs and immediately opened fire, um, killing five people and wounding another 18. And the only reason that the death toll wasn't significantly higher was due to the heroic actions of two people inside the club. Uh, Former Army Major Richard Fierro was sitting at a table with his wife Wife, daughter, and friends watching a drag show when the gunfire began. And he later um, described in really um, quite graphic detail how um, when. The instincts that he had forged um, during four combat deployments in Iraq and Afghanistan had kicked in, um, he charged uh, through the chaos um, straight towards the gunman and started beating him with his own gun. He said that he knew that he just had to take him down um, and he sort of screamed at other people to help and a, um, a transgender woman began um, stomping on the gunman with high heels um, so Mr. Fierro's wife was injured, um, two of his friends were shot, his daughter broke her knee while trying to escape, and his daughter's long-term boyfriend was among the five fatalities. And Fierro later said that you know he'd seen lots of awful things in war zones and that he was devastated that his family had to go through such an experience. Um, it was especially tragic because Club Q had been considered a safe haven for the LGBT community in Colorado Springs and comes as attacks on that community by lawmakers and um, some commentators seem to be intensifying. Um, the government also had a disturbing history of making homophobic statements um, and last year was arrested for threatening to harm his family with homemade bombs and firearms and was arrested after an armed standoff with police. Um, despite all this, he was able to obtain these military-style weapons and carry out you know, a hate filled act of mass murder. Uh, then on Tuesday night, um, unfortunately, there was another mass shooting at a Walmart in Chesapeake, Virginia, a uh, disgruntled workers shot and killed six people, mostly co-workers. Um, (laughs) There have been now more than 600 mass shootings involving involving four or more casualties this year, Nathan, and sadly there'll be plenty of epic chairs as families gather for Thanksgiving dinner.
0: Those are staggering statistics. They're awful. Um, Let's go to something else here. This is a financial thing, isn't it? So the singer Taylor Swift, uh, there is a ticket debacle. I love a debacle. Tell us about the debacle of tickets. (laughs) Nathan, I mean,
2: anyone who's tried to purchase uh, tickets to their favourite artist will know just how frustrating an experience it can be, and hell hath no fury like a scorned Taylor Swift fan. Um, Last week, uh, tickets to her upcoming Errors Tour went on sale, and almost immediately the Ticketmaster site crashed during a pre-sale period. Um, Fans were furious, uh, and it seemed as if professional scalpers had been able to access the tickets because almost immediately, um, tickets began appearing on the these resale sites for thousands of dollars, um, more than than the face value. Um, So this has all led to uh, a clampdown by the Department of Justice. Um, They are now uh, looking into whether Live Nation, which is Ticketmaster's parent company, is abusing its market dominance in the industry. Um, they're talking to music venues and performers to learn more about Live Nation's uh, methods. And of course, you remember that Live Nation and Ticketmaster merged in 2010. They were already the two largest players, and they now control an estimated 60% of the market for major concerts and events. Um, and so, lawmakers are promising to really have a look at whether or not these two companies should be um, split up. And um, senators are also promising to hold hearings on it. So this could lead to a real major shakeup in the way that tickets are uh, bought and sold
0: yeah, uh, and uh, I see there as well, Bevan, uh, it's it's the horrible thing to find out who has to keep uh, James Corden uh, later on when, when the USA play England in, in the World Cup. And the other, I mean, it's, it's a double whammy, really, isn't it? It's either someone has to keep Corden and the game is either called soccer or football. So that's uh, just as it is. Hey, uh, Bevan, thank you so much for your time, sir. There is Bevan Hurley uh, who joins us out of New York City. Well, today is officially Black Friday. So, you know, business-wise, in New Zealand at least, uh, in the United States it uh, gets its name because it's the biggest shopping day of the year and the biggest shock- shopping weekend of the year. Post-pandemic shoppers are returning to stores, but with a recession on the cards over there too, consumer confidence is down and inflation is up. Familiar. Uh, so are there any real deals out there to be found? CNN's Vanessa Yurkovich went to find out.
3: On this year's holiday shopping menu, more sales, but with a healthy side of inflation. Cutting off your circulation. I'm I'm going crazy. Denise Saletti is in the middle of her holiday shopping at Willowbrook Mall in Wayne, New Jersey.
1: This is for my mom,
3: and then I got stuff for my kids and my niece, and oh my God. But this year, the wish list is looking a little different. Last month, inflation cooled, but was still running hot at 7.7% year-over-year. I've had a cutback on shopping because things are too expensive. I mean, I do have three girls. They do understand that, you know, times are hard right now, and it's just me being a single mom. Despite high inflation, the National Retail Federation estimates that nearly 8 million more people will shop between Black Friday and Cyber Monday and spend up to 8 percent more this year than they did last year.
4: We're looking at records in all categories. It is remarkable in the
5: face of the cost and the price pressures that consumers are still finding a way to increase their spending, power the economy, drive economic activity.
3: Last month, retail sales beat expectations, up 1.3 percent in October. But this month, consumer sentiment fell. Still, higher prices haven't stopped some people from shopping. Has that impacted the way you're going to spend this holiday season?
6: Um, For me, not really because I try not to overspend anyways. So even before this is going on, I try not to exceed what I can do.
3: And according to the National Retail Federation, while online sales are expected to increase this year, a return to in-store shopping will make up a larger portion of all holiday sales.
6: I kind of like um, in-person more.
3: You do? Why, why is that?
6: I don't know. It's just more of the feel of being able to touch it, being able to see it, being able to try it on for the stores that you allow to, um, and then being amongst everybody else.
3: It's that holiday nostalgia that Willowbrook Mall says will help this year's shopping season return to pre-pandemic expectations. Do you anticipate that inflation will play a role in how people shop, people coming to the mall?
7: I think people are planning better in terms of what their spend's going to be. I think they've budgeted.
3: I don't cut back at Christmas. How many more <laughs> stores are you going to? Oh, maybe five more. Five more?
0: Vanessa Yurkovich with that report. 13 and a half past five here at RNZ National with me, Nathan Radity. Many things we could talk about uh, at the moment, but we'll let the uh, uh, the bulletins do all the depressing stuff. Uh, we were discussing beforehand Turkey. Uh, great or overrated? I see New Zealander Stephen Adams really caused a bit of a kerfuffle with NBA press yesterday when they said, hey, do they have Thanksgiving in New Zealand? He went, no, Turkey's dry. Um, so let us know, 2101. Or do you have the secret to the delicious turkey. Maybe that's another one as well. There are many angles we can go with this way. But, uh, yeah, do you have the dece- the secrets to the delicious Christmas turkey? It's time now to hear from our correspondent, Nabil, in Africa. Kia ora, sir. How are you? Fine, thank you. Hello. Uh, so, so, Nabil, th- this is interesting. I didn't know who the world's longest-serving president was, but I believe he's in Equatorial Guinea and is eyeing re-election.
6: Indeed, uh, President Obia is eyeing uh, re-election. He's 80 years old and he has been ruling for 43 years <laughs> now. and uh, on Sunday they are expected to cast their ballots and there are concerns that nothing will change. He will still continue to rule because in Equatorial Guinea, there's no much uh, in terms of democratic process going on there. Um, the state media and a lot of uh, broadcasters are owned by, I mean the family and all of that. So, Uh, It's just like a one way street. Um, The ballot will be cast, and at the end of the day, it's likely that uh, President uh, Aubien would continue to rule the country.
0: Um, I see here that uh, Professor Ana Lucia Saar told the BBC the elections are merely cosmetic.
6: Yes, indeed, uh, because at the end of the day, people will just go and queue and they will vote for the same person to become president. Uh, The position is not really that strong in that country as against other, um, I mean, African countries where opposition are very strong in terms of um, elections. But this particular country is just a one-way street.
0: Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about Algeria. Um Algeria, there's fires. Uh, uh, oh, Algeria there, we got, what is it, some fires, but also a dozen sentenced to death for lynching.
6: Yes, indeed. Uh, we understand that some 49 people have been uh, sentenced to death. Uh, it's because the to uh, lynch one man. And actually, it's actually a wrongful act uh, because the person is now known to have not been the, pe- the one who uh, started the fire. And we understand that the sentences are likely to be reduced to life imprisonment instead of just the death sentence. And it's something that has generated a lot of conversations in Algeria.
0: Uh, let's talk about Kenya as well. Can you tell me why they've recalled an HIV drug?
6: Well, we understand that officials of Kenya have actually uh, recalled the drugs uh, to suppress the level of the virus, uh, virus in their bodies. Now, we understand that the decision was taken after the manufacturer, uh, which is Universal Corporation Limited, noticed that the tablets were stained due to improper packaging and also a handling of the drug, and they would have to recall it because uh, they believe that it's been contaminated, and it is unclear how many patients have actually received the drug. But so far, we understand that 14 badges were distributed to hospitals and they have to clear all those uh, drugs that have already been in the system.
0: Nabil, uh, this is something I know we always love to speak about with you as football. Tell me, how popular has the World Cup been with you so far?
6: It's really been today. You know that Ghana is facing Portugal. The game is currently ongoing. Uh, Portugal has played Ghana before in the World Cup. They scored Ghana two one. So this is kind of a revenge for Ghana, and Ghana is hoping to really beat Portugal uh, this time around. There's a lot of excitement here in Ghana as people are watching uh, the match against uh, Portugal. Nathan,
0: I know, and it's horrible. And the game's on right now, and we've made you stop watching it. So, Nabil, thank you very much for your time uh, again. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for your time again this week, sir. Out of Ghana, that is Nabil Ahmed. It is 18 past five. I'm Nathan Radadet here at First Up on RNZ National. Still to come this morning. We are going to hear what is good in the produce aisles and your fruit of the week. Barry Guy brings us the latest in sport and whether we'll get any play today at Eden Park. And also we ask Retail NZ whether we'd be better off without contactless payments. I
2: have got another bunch of cow I.
1: There they are, standing in the rail. Big
0: ones, small ones, some as big as your head. It is Friday. Time to speak to the Minister of Fruit and Veggies. here, is Glenn Forsyth. Kia man. How are you?
8: You're very well, Nathan. How are you?
0: I'm good. Um, what's the latest in the world of the vegetable?
8: Uh, well, we're going to uh, start off with a, a season update of stone fruit. And let's see if oh. we can... Re- Rattle that off in 90 seconds. I mean, right now, however, the early cherries, apricots and nectarines I was eating in the Oakland markets yesterday weren't waking up my taste buds, and even less so in what seems to be winter outside this week. Um, There has been some hot weather in Hawke's Bay recently, but the real story is the rainfall and effect on pollination. The bees have stayed home at critical times. Crop loads are variable and in places light. The stress from wet soil is again mucking around with timing. You know, starting with nectarines, there have been a number of orchards that have pulled out older varieties. Some yummy brand whitefish available next week. But the classic are the tangy ones. They're starting in mid-December. And the honey series, the sweeter ones, by Christmas. January will be full noise. Now, uh, peaches, some older peach trees have also been chopped out for newer varieties going in. Avoid the early ones and get the better eating ones from mid-December. The popular honey peaches start early January. Plums have reduced too, but replaced with kiwi fruit and apples. And the better tasting plums start mid December also, and that season is long. That's into April. So there's three of them gone. Um, we've got two to go. Do you know what those ones are, mate? Ah, uh,
0: the uh, the peach ring, or the peach. <laughs> I <Apricots. laughs> actually next year. I know. Yes, that's, yes, that's yes, what I was thinking. When you're talking about this, <laughs> I'm thinking to myself: stone fruit for me. I'm always you got to at least wait till Christmas, and generally January's when you hit it.
8: Mate, you're right on the button. So the Hawks Bay Apricots, they've been decimated by all the wet weather pre-season. The first better apricot is the Royal Rosa, but buy regularly, as you know, so they don't spoil at home. Main crop, sun drop, and others will be mid-December again. Now first, uh, so the first South Island cots will hit early January, finishing on cherries, and if weather decides to start behaving, there will be plenty for Christmas week. Right now, early ones from the bay are never satisfying. From the 5th of December, better ones will start. And a week after this, for South Island pre- product and there has been some large investment in cherry growing in the south island we're getting up to seven thousand ton forecasted now and even though primarily for export like chinese new year etc kiwis benefit from the overflow but you're right on the button late mid-december and you know two three months after that you're into it yeah
0: uh, let, so anyway let, let's jump to because i love my stone fruit as you know and i can talk about it all the day but let's have a crack just at the vegetables people want to know about what have we got going on
8: Yes, sorry, it's a full house on greens and how fantastic is that? Rain, warmth, rain, sun, up pop the veggies, broccoli and even collie and spinach and higher supplies this week. And look for green cabbage again. Their prices have finally come back. Lots of lettuce, but with all this rain, some rot from the inside out. So apart from slicing them in half in store, look at the ribbed edges down the bottom by the stem where it's been cut for harvest and that bottom stem itself. If you see browning and break down, you won't get a lettuce that is 100%. Plenty of capsicum. Some places selling for a dollar each. So stock up this weekend and grab a few more bulbs of USA garlic before that runs out and While we wait for the new season New Zealand ones, cucumbers are in good supply. So are new season carrots, Aussie round beans, kumara, smaller potatoes like your lucky sod Little Diggers and Golden Gourmet from the South Island, and some lovely broccolini available. Look look for those. New season corn, still expensive, maybe $3 each, uh, back from $4 each, so not quite ready to start.
0: Oh, love the broccolini. Very quickly, because we're running out of time, um, update on other fruit around, and then we'll get to the biggie of the week.
8: Okay, buddy, B- uh, blackberries and raspberries becoming more readily available, but trumping these are stack loads of blueberries. Stum- some apples getting flowery now this late into their season, like Gala and Rayburn, but Pink Lady holding up slightly better. Nice Aussie pack and pears here, along with their R2E2 mangoes and mandarins. And further afield, we have Philippine pineapples and USA limes in the marketplace. We still have oranges too, navels or valencias, both available. Uh, any guesses on fruit of the week, Nathan? The only oh. fruit that has its seeds on the outside?
0: Oh, the only—I love that! Yeah, that's for the audience. The only fruit that has its seeds on the outside is Glen <laughs> strawberries. That was good. Yeah, so, we,
8: yeah, we're calling that out as fruit of the week this week. The market actually crashed on these this week, so there are bargains out there. Check their bottoms, though. A lot of rain affects them, so consume quickly. Black Friday sales—they always that always signals the next two weeks of very average uptake of fresh fruit and vegetable buying from consumers. So don't forget your five plus a day during this period, please, as the produce keeps on growing.
0: Thank you very much, Glenn Forsyth, is the best in the business, and it's our pleasure to have him with us every week. The Minister of Fruit and Veggies, yeah, remember that. Pick up your packet of strawberries and then just sniff its bottom, and, and just make sure it doesn't smell overripe. There you go. Like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. It's the 25th of November, and we're going to start with one of those births that you might have to sit down for this. Be sitting down? Ricardo Montalban. Remember Ricardo Montalban, Mr. Rourke from Fantasy Island? Well, Khan from Star Trek, this way. He was born 102 years ago uh other historical birthdays 1787 on this day Franz Gruber was born you're going who's that it was an Austrian fellow who wrote Silent night the melody for it in 1818 so basically he was uh he went to a church father Joseph Moore had written the words and he said to Gruber he said please compose a melody and a guitar accompaniment for this for the Christmas Eve mass because what had happened was a flood had come through and destroyed the organ so originally written for the guitar there you are Silent night. Uh, On this day in 1844, Carl Benz was born. Of course, he went on to invent the first practical car powered by an internal combustion engine, I should say. And uh, on this day in 1940, Percy Sledge was born. 26 years later, he would have a number one with When a Man Loves a Woman, which became the first gold record released by Atlantic Records. Uh, Let's, uh, people who are still with us, Christina Applegate, 51, Kelly Bundy, Uh, Veronica Corningstone, many uh, things uh, she's played of course. 2008 she beat breast cancer but she's uh, diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 2021 and it's very affecting her quite heavily. And um, the best name of the year that I will read out to you having a birthday, the American author Crescent Dragonwagon turns 70 years old today. Dragonwagon's cookbook, Passionate Vegetarian won the James Beard Book Award in the category of Vegetarian Healthy Focus. Also in 1993, Crescent Dragonwagon won American name of the year uh, other winners uh, of name of the year include basketballer these are all real people too by the way basketballer famous left hand maths professor Dr reason machete and American football player Barkevius Mingo and uh, those are the happenings uh, on this day of the 25th of November what need well I
2: need a dollar, dollar, dollar.
0: Joining us now from the business team is Andrew McCrae. Kia ora, how are you? G'day, Nathan, I'm great. Pleased it's Friday. Are going to hear a name <laughs> as good as Barkevius Mingo again later today? I don't think you are, are you? I doubt it. Hard to beat. Yeah, OK, let's have a look. What's this rare new listing on the stock exchange that I hear about?
9: Well, it's in the form of uh, technology acquisition company Black Pearl Group, which is looking for a platform for future growth, and it's founded on the NZX. Uh, Black Pearl describes itself as a tech company that builds, acquires and markets data-driven cloud services to provide applications for small and medium-sized businesses. Now, the rare bit is that the company is only doing a compliance listing and is neither seeking capital or any sell-down of shares. And a direct listing on the NZX offers it the the fastest and and probably the cheapest means of moving to a a public platform to support growth. Its founder and chief executive is Nick Lissette, and he says it's being done with uh, an eye to the future. He says the goal is for the intended listing to accelerate acquisitions by being able to offer stock in a listed entity as part of its offer to companies that they wish to acquire. It also offers the chance to raise capital in the future and the the company 's uh, capitalization is around something like forty five million dollars it 's got only eighty three shareholders which, and it 's led those shareholders are led by uh, an investment company in Arizona with thirteen percent stake and nilasette 's own teamwork group has uh, around about ten percent there 's also some other significant shareholders that includes a prominent businessman uh, Sir Owen Glenn and the ACC Now the company Black Pearl was founded back in two thousand and twelve it 's got offices here in New Zealand and also in Arizona. And its strategy is to acquire tech companies which offered access to new products, also, you know, talented people, and markets, rather than just to acquire them for, you know, making some money. It's expected to list somewhere around uh, December the 2nd, and that's subject, of course, to final approvals. But also, Nathan, on on the subject of companies, uh, more than two-thirds of directors expect to see a decline in the country's economic performance, but they're more positive when it comes to the outlook for their own organisations. This all comes out of the... uh, the latest uh, director sentiment survey by the Institute of Directors and the ASB Bank it was much more pessimistic, and pessimistic than last year's survey. Uh, they found that 68% are expecting to see an overall economic decline compared with uh, only, well, just was still quite high, but 51% last year. However, half of them expect their own company to see an improved performance, with just one in five expecting a decline. And one in four directors also believe their organisation's performance over the last year had improved due to their management of the pandemic. So, Nathan... I guess they're putting, patting themselves on the back a bit there.
0: Mm, they are. Andrew McRae voted Velvety Voice uh, by the uh, production team here, Andrew, so congratulations <laughs> uh, on that one and thank you very much uh, for your report, sir.
9: Thanks, Nathan. Bye. Yeah,
0: cheers. You can hear more from the business team on Morning Report at 10 to 7. So now turning to what your New Zealand's dollar can buy you around the world today. If you take it to market, you can return with the following things in your basket. 62.87 US cents, 92.81, Australian cents, 60.24 euro cents, 51.71 British pence, 4.48 yuan, and 86.83 Japanese yen. We love a World Cup here. The Black Sox have won the Softball World Cup every time the tournament has been hosted in New Zealand. So over the next two weeks at the Rosedale Park Diamond on Auckland's North Shore, the team will be trying to win an eighth title. Now, despite limited international game time since the last World Cup, where the team finished fourth, Captain Cole Evans told sports reporter Felicity Reid this tournament is an opportunity to show New Zealand how the sport has grown over the last few years.
10: Prior to to sort of us getting together, we hadn't played in, yeah, three or four years. Um, it had been the last time we played together was uh, the World Cup in 2019. Um, so it has been a long time between we. Uh, we were in Palmy on the weekend for for quite a good time. And Actually, it was the top six uh, nations in the world all met in Palmy and played across the weekend, uh, which gave us some yeah some quality game time together and a bit of a, a taste as to, to what's to come.
11: And you were part of the champion team in 2017. The Black Sox have quite a proud history as well of winning the title. Is there some pressure playing at home?
10: I mean, I wouldn't say pressure. There's a bit of expectation. Uh, Obviously, the Black Sox do have a a wonderful history uh, and a a big legacy. Um, But the support we receive through New Zealand and those next players is massive. Yeah, the softball community in New Zealand, it's a very family feel. And uh, yeah, I mean, that pressure is almost, it's quite a good pressure, actually. It's it's a lot of support.
11: And is there a favourite for the World Cup or is it a fairly balanced across the competition this time around?
10: It's very balanced, actually, yeah. I mean, I'll almost go out and say it's one of the most competitive international sort of events in world sport. There's probably, yeah, nine or 10 teams out of the 12 that are legitimate contenders um, to win the tournament. So, yeah, it should make this interesting watching.
11: You've been in a winning environment before. Do you sort of feel comfortable that the Black Sox have got that winning environment and that potential this time around as well?
10: Yeah, I do. We've got some fantastic management, uh, coaching's outstanding, uh, and then obviously the playing group is is pretty much second to none. So we're, uh, yeah, we're going very confident. Um, the results probably didn't go well on the weekend, but it was a good uh, good learning space for us. Uh, we took a lot of, I guess, takeaways from the weekend, and uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to getting into the competition come uh, Saturday afternoon.
0: The Black Sox play the Czech Republic in their first game of the tournament. <laughs> keeping it velvet in the vocal department. It's Barry Guy who's hey. with us. Kia
4: ora sir, how are you? Morena. Hey. This is... Um... One of the perks of, uh, possibly the only perk of getting up at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you watch your games. <laughs> yeah, as I can see, some I watch a couple of games of football every morning. I do do some work, though. But
0: um, well, We weren't sure we were going to have our report out of um, Ghana, because we're thinking, where's, where's Nabil? And we thought, of course, the football's on, that's why. And you got to back to us very late. So uh, what's the updates of uh, games for people that have missed them, Barry?
4: Uh, okay, the, this morning, Switzerland beat Cameroon uh, 1-0 with uh, Briel Mbolo scoring for Switzerland. Uh, his uh, against his country of birth, and so we mm. apologised for scoring against them. Uh, <laughs> but it was a, a much needed win for either one of those teams because, of course, they play uh, Brazil and Serbia who meet later today, uh, the other two teams in their group. So one of those really needed to get a win to uh, you know, stamp their mark on uh, their group. Uh, Uruguay and South Korea, nil all draw. At the moment, we're uh, almost coming up to half-time. Uh, Portugal nil, Ghana nil. Uh, and then later this morning, as I said, Brazil-Serbia. So we're going to see the uh, favourites. Brazil in action. And uh, we'll just get to see whether... Uh, they are, um, yeah, the number what, one ranked side.
0: What's been your favourite upset so far? I've, I, there's the two main candidates, I guess, Saudi Arabia over Argentina or Japan-Germany. Which which one was your favourite? I'd
4: probably go Argentina, but what I found interesting out of both of them is that um, they both scored first and then mm-hmm. went on to lose, uh, conceding a couple of goals in the second half of uh, uh, Saudi Arabia beating argentina and then Japan beating uh, Germany, you look back into the history of the uh, Japan though I, you know in that game, I think there were six Japanese players that play in the Bundesliga, and they more or less said they knew how the uh, uh, Germans play their game and also uh, doing some research, I see that Germany played a huge part in the development of the game in Japan in the decades after the second world war so obviously they know a bit about each other and how they play and those sorts of things and uh, Japan managed to um, pull off the victory. So, yeah, I'd go for that one, actually. Yeah. Now, we've got, uh, obviously, a cricket
0: tour uh, going on in New Zealand, which it's it's been, I don't know, it's kind of just there in the background just it recently. Is. And it?
4: People ask me what I thought of that T20 series, and um, I, I sort of th- I, I didn't learn a lot, to tell you the truth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we didn't see uh, a game, and uh, another one was shortened and that sort of thing. And I, I feel a little the same about the ODI series coming up. Uh, That starts uh, today. Um, And so I look back, um, the the Black Caps lost to Australia in the last ODI series. They beat the West Indies in the West Indies uh, for that first ever series victory over there. And then they beat Ireland in the Netherlands. Um, I seem to think at the moment that um, the ODI series is a bit more to the Black Caps' liking. So I'm hoping Mm. that will continue. The only thing, uh, of course, is... um, I. I do hope that uh, with all this weather we've had around, that it doesn't affect. um, Well, you know, the bowlers get too much um, control of the game, and you know, we're going to go slow outfield
0: today, Barry. Really slow outfield. It's been very wet in Auckland today. It should just be blustery and windy. We hope, which always means that there will be some rain arriving because it's Auckland.
4: Oh, no. uh, uh, yeah, 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 I can imagine that. Um, also, uh, as we just heard from Felicity, the World Softball Championship started uh, on the North Shore and also the weightlifting nationals start on Mount Maunganui today. And David Letty and Megan Signal, a couple of Olympians are there. And it's record numbers. Uh, more than 200 are competing at the nationals uh, this weekend in Mount Maunganui. So that's um, they're doing particularly well there and they're very happy. At, um, I, I do understand that uh, a lot of people that were in CrossFit which was uh, all the rage, you know, a few years ago. Oh, yeah, Yeah.
0: especially with, um, uh, who was it, physiotherapist. They loved it.
4: Um, they and uh, a lot of people that do CrossFit then go. Yeah. Well, actually, I quite like the whole um, technique and the um, and the skill and the and the training that goes into weightlifting, and they've been getting into weightlifting, so um, that's all good for that sport.
0: I thought during the pandemic that would have been the perfect over Zoom national sports league to have. You know, like inter suburb weightlifting, um, and we could have we could have streamed it. Uh, maybe we could still stream it at RNZ. There we go, Barry. What well, you
4: they think did they, that? That, that last year's nationals. It was a uh, you would do a, a lift with an official watching, and you would send them all in, and um, there was some sort of program that the Australians developed, and so they had a nationals, but it was all done remotely, huh. and then um, yeah, a, a, you know, a title of sorts was then uh, handed out. So um, yeah, innovative ways of trying to get your competition. Uh, what done and dusted. So well, they
0: call it in the gym when they're all clanging and banging, apparently, is it? You know, you're lifting up your weights and they're all clang, clanging and banging. I've got a friend who does weight lifting. <laughs> <Yeah, a> sw- <laughs> swinging tin or something. So, yeah, chucking the tin around. A bit of that. Well, there is. He's off back to do the bench press while he watches uh, the football. That is Barry Guy. Yes, uh, Wayne uh, wrote in on 2101 saying, No one talks about softball. So um, play, I hope you heard that one, uh, Wayne. And uh, yes, best of luck to the Black Sox. It is 19 to 6, and Nathan and here at first up on RNZ National. Uh, before we hit the end of the program, you'll hear from Retail NZ about where the paywave is more expensive than it's actually worth. And we report from Auckland's suburb of Sandringham after a dairy worker was killed in a robbery on Wednesday night. <laughs> The professionals of RNZ are the Morning Report team, and with us this morning, it is Kim Hill. Kia ora, Kim, how are you? Kia ora,
11: I'm very well, thank you, Nathan.
0: What do you got happening today?
11: Um, well, I just threw a spanner in the works of Morning Report by sparking a journey of discovery about the origins, the etymological origins of Black Friday. Yes. The Friday after Thanksgiving in the US, and the start of the Christmas shopping season in the US. Why is it black, I said. I suppose you've done this, have you?
0: No, go for it.
11: Well, I don't know. I mean, there's a big argument about it. It could be because it enables retailers to get into the black. Oh. Or it could be somebody suggested a response. I think we resorted to Wikipedia at this point. <laughs> a response to the practice of workers calling in sick the day after Thanksgiving, too much turkey, uh, to get a four day weekend. And oh. so. All the retailers went, oh, this is terrible. Anyway, the serious question is yes. will people shop for bargains because they can't afford not to? Or will they stay away from the shops because they can't afford to go shopping? Yeah. Or will they make a moral decision not to go shopping because Adrian Orr told them not to? All this, <laughs> you understand, Nathan? I do. Was displacement activity. Because there are more important things and far less pleasant things to discuss, such as the terrible killing of the dairy worker in Sandringham, and we will, of course, be talking more about that. The police have released more details about the offender. It's Friday. Yes. It's been a hell of a week. Our political panel will, I think, be interesting. And also, I was foolish enough to ask Barry Guy, the sports guy, what Duckworth Lewis... Oh is. my goodness. Do you know what that is? It is
0: the most overcomplicated way of work. it's two maths.
11: Wow. Well, well we get I into no sport idea. for no maths.
0: That's anyway, the idea. Yeah.
11: Barry guy has taken it into his head <laughs> that it needs explaining. So gird your loins. Oh, that'll be a good thing actually.
0: I will. Good. Oh good.
11: You. It always takes a stupid person to ask a stupid question that nobody else is brave enough to ask. Wonderful,
0: thank you very much. Cheers. I'll get out my girding brush and uh, go the old loins. It is 14 to 6. Yes, as you um, just heard Kim mention there, the people of Sandringham and Auckland want answers. After a jerry worker was stabbed and killed by a man trying to rob the store, emergency services were called to the Rose Cottage Superette a little after eight o'clock on Wednesday night and the man died in hospital a short time later. The Sandringham business community has for months been asking for help to improve security because of how often they're targeted by thieves who are often armed. Our producer Matthew Tunison filed this report.
7: Back in late May, First Up ran a report about Sandringham business owners at their wits' end due to repeated ram raids, burglaries and armed robberies. One proprietor was sleeping in his store to protect the business. Another stopped letting customers into his shop and was serving through a modified window counter. In October, our colleagues over at Checkpoint followed up on the support promised for affected businesses. Only six had been successful in their applications for bollards. Sandringham Business Association Chairperson Jithan Chittaboma is heartbroken that on Wednesday night, it wasn't just property that was lost.
1: I couldn't sleep last night, mate. I, it's just It's just been on my mind ever since. You know, we've been saying, you know, someone will end up dying, someone will end up dying, someone will end up dying, end up dying but... When that actually happens, and when it happens so close to home, it's, um, the, the entire community is shaken. We all know each other here, you know. And um, it's, um, yeah, I mean, every time we think about this incident, it's like, oh, you know, he's just down the road he's away from the hustle and bustle had he been in the village maybe we could have done something for him you know maybe he could have been alive right now it's because he's slightly isolated within the residential zone maybe you know we maybe we could have done something you know we we have we, all businesses you know all, everyone starts thinking that way and starts blaming themselves for it but then we have to understand that he's done absolutely nothing wrong the business owner hasn't done anything wrong they were there just doing their day's work and someone else came into their environment, safe environment, made it unsafe, stole from them and killed, taken alive. that's barbaric.
7: Hundreds of people gathered outside the Rose Cottage Super Ret yesterday to pay tribute to the man who died and to offer support to his wife and family. Many of them were local business owners who, like Jithin, have also been victims of crime.
1: Most of the business had said serious crime's going up, and we noticed it because we are people on the ground. We can see how people are being treated, how our employees are being treated, the sort of uh, theft that's going on, and so on and so forth, especially with dairies, the ram raids and everything else. And there was a clear indication to us from the community and our experiences that crime, serious crime, was going up. Mm. And uh, we made an effort to advise the government about the same, that we need to put brakes on it now. The brakes were not applied. and then what the crash is inevitable isn't it and now you're looking at a crash
7: i visited some of the same business owners i spoke to back in april in the wake of wednesday's tragedy since then police have helped subash batra install a fog cannon and multiple cameras in his vape shop fume which has been robbed multiple times he says he does feel somewhat safer now
1: better now i better would now. say better yeah. now but seeing these incidents you're not sure i mean what to do? I mean, if somebody has made up his mind mm. to harm you. And you've been threatened with knives? Yeah, twice. Yeah. And one time it was a uh, person aged about 50, 45, 50. And next, second time, these were just 14 years old girls, school-going children. They came with a knife and threatened us.
7: Across the road, Sandringham Super Red is still boarded up from a ram raid in early April. Owner Chittij Vatsa says he has had help from police, upgrading his alarm system and fog cannon, but crime continues to affect his life.
5: It, it's
7: affecting the business, because the boat's there, people cannot see the entrance, it's not that like, it's not visible if someone's just driving past, because I've had a couple of people stopping and asking is the place still open or not, Well, it was open, it's been what... Seven months now, yeah. if we count from April, I'm still boarded up like that. Still waiting for the roller. Still door. waiting for the roller um, How are you feeling after what happened yesterday, It's a bit scary. I wouldn't. I don't live on site, but again, my family comes here during the daytime. Mm. I wouldn't. I think I wouldn't want them to come mm. to the store anymore till the time it's a bit settled. It's scary, sad. Police Minister Chris Hipkins says he wants an explanation as to why the dairy owner's two requests for fog cannons went unanswered. Meanwhile,
1: Jithan Chittaboma says New Zealand's migrant community is feeling vulnerable. They've been through so much during COVID... Pre-COVID, they were the ones that were going out into the supermarkets and working for us, long hours as essential workers. Be it nurses, be it healthcare workers, you know, all sorts of essential work they've been a part of. They, yeah. they literally the dairy workers. They were open. This dairy across the road, Smart Deal Bazaar, was open till midnight wow. during COVID as well, and essential we could, service. you know, essential service, and we could go there 10, 11 p.m. just, you know, for a walk, get milk. Yeah. So they've they've contributed. And now to go through this just it's 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 blow after blow and migrant workers have have suffered for mm. the past four to five years they have really suffered mm. and it, it's time that we do something about it mate. finally no excuses no dramas no politics just do something for your community period Police are
0: appealing to the public for information and any CCTV footage from around the area where the man was stabbed on Wednesday night. So here's what you're looking for on any of that footage. Uh, they're looking for a man who was wearing dark clothing. It's black. He's got a black cap on, black tracksuit pants, and they're those ones you get from like the um, you know the $2 shops uh, with Raiders written down the side of it with the uh, Oakland Raiders logo on it. Also a blue and white bandana on his face as well. So that was uh, from footage there from Wednesday night there on CCTV footage around the area. Uh, Let's talk a bit of shopping. Uh, Today the 25th of November one month away from Christmas and New Zealand retailers are doing that thing uh, where we, you know, Pick you back off the back of the Americans it's always good for an ad there in, a, in, a, in one of the national mastheads and uh, do a thing called Black Friday so it's based around the Friday after Thanksgiving holiday in the US where retailers offer huge discounts which is how American families fill in that odd, odd time after they've argued about politics at dinner the day before now you may have also noticed paywave surcharges popping up around the place we at first up want to get to the bottom of the reason for these charges Greg Harford is the chief executive of retail NZ and he is is with me now. Kia ora, Greg. How are you? Kia ora, good morning. Hey, sorry, first, just first, we're just going to backtrack a bit there of the report we just had. Really somber note there. What feedback have you had from your members uh, about the killing in Sandringham on Wednesday?
5: Oh, look, it was just horrific, the, the events up there, and um, you know, I think everyone's really concerned about safety. Um, there have been a lot of um, incidents in a variety of retail stores over the last year or so um, that have really Led people to worry um, about whether they're going to be safe at work and able to get home safely, and um, uh, you know we've seen um, the worst case of that happen uh, clearly in Sandringham uh, this week, and uh, I think I think it has led people to be uh, a little bit wary, um, a little bit worried, um, and 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 definitely I think a view that something needs to change because this sort of thing can't keep happening, keep keep continuing.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, let's let's hope someone's got some footage there to. I think real in the scumbag who did that. Anyway, let's go to something different there. We've had a lot of chat around the office about PayWave, uh, and we're noticing more and more surcharges when you're using PayWave. So why does it cost retail uh, consumers more to use PayWave? Yeah, well,
5: when you use your sort of standard plus card and you dip it into the terminal to make a payment, there's no cost to the merchant. But the moment you use a credit card or a contactless debit card, so a pay wave card, um, there's a cost that the merchant's incurring um, to, to pay for your transaction. Um, those those costs historically have been um, quite large here in New Zealand. We've had an unregulated market for payment fees, which has meant that um, fees here have typically been sort of two or three times that uh, of Australia or the UK or Europe, um, and while it's most common and probably sort of hospitality and sort of tourist venues and so forth, we are starting to see some surcharges creep into uh, the the sort of more standard retail setting as well. Um, but, you know, the, the fees the fees are significant. The government has moved, in fact, to regulate interchange, which is one of the p- things that makes up that fee. Uh, and there's some new regulations that came into effect a week or so ago. Um, so that hopefully will start to see them come down over time
0: because greg uh, you know i think here what happened was during the pandemic everyone was like right let's not touch things and so PayWave became something here but i'm having a look and i'm really struggling to see what we're actually paying for because as i know i get my a machine I, I slide it through and then it goes through some i don't know phone cable and out through space and then it goes to the bank surely pay is exactly the same like why does it cost more
5: yeah, well, I mean, that's there's, there's a good question. I mean, there, there are some costs in developing the network and so forth that, that I, I guess people need to recover. But the real question is why why are, are costs um, substantially higher? Part of the reason for that is the way some merchants are charged by their banks. Um, the, the, the fee that the merchant pays should be different depending on the card type, uh, and it should be cheaper if you're using a contactless debit card uh, compared to a credit card. Um, but some merchants are still on a bundled rate, so they're paying the same flat rate for everything, uh, which is often set far too high uh, to take account of pay waves. And, and my message for those merchants is, is to go and talk to your bank, and make sure you're on the right rate. It's kind of like being on a low user rate for electricity if you're paying um, if you're using squillions of kilowatts of, of energy every year.
0: Greg, I would see a question come in, which you may or may not know. Does this is it the same for Apple Pay? Because I see people using their phones now in a clever way.
5: Yes it is. So right. so those fees will kick in um if it's a, if you're using a, a card in a contactless way or if you're using your phone or your watch or or, or any of those other new sort of um means of payment.
0: Okay. Can you cancel PayWave on your card? Uh, no it's built into your card if
5: you've got um, those sorts of those sorts of cards um, but of course you don't need to use it you're still able to to insert the, the the debit card into the terminal in order to make the transaction but it is a bit complicated because if you're a merchant um, you know if you've got a, 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 a debit card, it's cheapest for the customer to insert it uh, rather than use PayWave. But if you've got a credit card, it's actually cheaper for the customer to tap the terminal rather than insert it. So um, there's quite a lot of complexity into the system Um, and I I think we're all just hoping that the regulations the government has brought into place will be leading to some um, downwards pressure on those fees.
0: Yeah, Greg Harford, thank you very much, Chief Executive of Retail in New Zealand there who's joined us. Thank you very much for your feedback. Wow, so much has come in uh, on Turkey. Apparently the key to a good Turkey is to brine it Uh, I'm a lefty uh, stop picking on America with guns Uh, John wants to know the extra money banks are raking in for interest rate hikes does it even get given to charity or St John's I imagine it just goes to shareholders like most things uh, where it disappears into that thank you so much for all of your feedback today so much about morning report next with Kim and Corrin from all of us here at First Up have a good weekend really good one eh? we'll be back in your ears on Monday